Welcome back to Podcast 19 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Osbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Osbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by MyBookie.ag. For a huge March Madness 100% sign-up bonus, please visit MyBookie. Use the promo code Osbreakers. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with our costs, sponsor the website and the podcast. We'd love to help you out. Please visit TheOddsBreakers.com. Click shop and become a member and pick any of our winning handicappers. Get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also join our Discord channel. And if nothing else, please visit theoddsbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. The madness is here, my friends, and we plan on giving you quite a few shows this week, probably four of them, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And each show will be staggered for the plays for the day before. But we have a great show for you today, and it's strange that we are doing it on a Sunday night, but we got to talk about these brackets, right? Sean Nachi's coming on, and he's going to talk about the brackets in general. We're going to talk about some teams that might have gotten spited and some teams that were very fortunate to get in, some bad seeds, some good seeds, all that fun stuff. And we're also going to talk about some different bracket games that you can play during March Madness. Can't wait to get into that before we get into that. Wow. I just wanted to recap a crazy weekend of conference tournaments. I mean, you can see just starting from the last day here how all the games went under. I mean, the officials for the most part really swallowed their whistles and a lot of the teams played a little bit slower and more careful with the ball it seemed like but man those unders really really rolled on Sunday here uh in general just some crazy upsets you know we had obviously Texas A&M at 100 to 1 and put a nice hedge out there to put uh 40 times our bet on the uh on Tennessee I to lay minus 260 I thought I was gonna get minus 250 but it changed was able to recoup 16 times our bet on that. So we were leaving it at 16 times or 60 times. I wanted to possibly hedge during the game, but Tennessee jumped AM and there was absolutely no hedging points available throughout the rest of the game that were worth a damn. There was a point where they brought it within five points, but that was like a split second. <laughs> but yeah, you got to be proud of the Aggies for doing that. And they might be one of the teams I talk about later about being slighted for the NCAA tournament. Also, Virginia Tech, holy cow. You know, this is a team that I faded and was wrong about. I, I was wrong because I guess there's no indicators that they were going to do this. You know, it's not like they had the strongest non-conference when Virginia Tech went out and played in the non-conference. Geez, where are they ranked now? They really moved up on Ken Palm up to 23. I mean, they lost to Memphis. They lost to Xavier. <laughs> lost to Wake Forest. There's there's two out of three teams didn't even make the tournament right there. They oh Dayton. They lost to Dayton. Dayton, holy cow, did they get slighted? But um, they, they don't have any big wins, and all of a sudden they do this in the ACC. It just makes you wonder if the ACC is really that bad, 
or if Virginia Tech just snapped into it kind of like Oregon State did last year, and all of a sudden they're very good. Definitely good stuff to talk about all week about the NCAA tournament. Uh, smaller teams obviously made some big upsets as well. Really couldn't believe Richmond coming out of the A-10. You know, you would have thought it'd be St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, or uh, Dayton, right? Or Davison. And it's Richmond. <laughs> you know, Richmond coming out of the cut. So that was a pretty big underdog to make it. Um, Some other just massive upsets was Wisconsin losing to Michigan State. That was a complete choke job on Wisconsin. Uh, Davis went like three for 19 that game it, they couldn't hit a free throw for the life of them <laughs> it's just it's almost like they wanted to lose and you know michigan state didn't even play that good that game against wisconsin <laughs> i think like a team like maybe like a wichita state would have beat us both that day <laughs> if they're playing average and we in uh the badgers and the michigan state spartans were playing like they did that day that was absolutely awful and illinois getting beat by Indiana. Indiana had a nice little run in the uh, Big Ten tournament too. But uh, what, a, what a fun weekend of just watching basketball, getting information, seeing some teams step up and seeing some teams absolutely choke. Uh, Creighton was a nice little surprise as well. They uh, went all the way to the final game there with Nova. Before I get Sean on, I want to remind you guys that we have a March Madness free $500 giveaway tournament challenge hosted by cbs sports just check out the website theosbreakers.com click in the article it's right in the middle page middle of the front page scroll down to it and click it and you can enter all you need to do is write a five-star review and send it screenshot of it to admin at theoddsbreakers.com retweet our podcast you are in and you will win a share of the five hundred dollars first second and third place it will pay if there's enough brackets, we will even up that amount. So that is our promotion that we love to do here at the Oddsbreakers for March Madness. Make sure you check out the other handicappers on our site doing a fantastic job. Look at all the podcasters we have now. We all, all have our own RSS feeds. So now if you don't want to get all the podcasts, you can just click on the one you like on your iTunes or Google Play and subscribe to that RSS feed. I think everybody here brings a lot of value. So if, as just as a general listener, I personally would like to listen to everybody here at The Odds Breakers. I learn a lot from all of our handicappers, and uh, the industry is always changing, and you have to be on top of it. And that's why we got some great talent here. And just want to give a huge shout-out to everybody here at The Odds Breakers, throwing out all these podcasts and just the great content they put out every single week. All right. Wanted to remind everybody that you should check out Sports Wagering University if you want to learn about the same tools and how we use them as handicappers. Kyle, me, Chris Farley, Nick Hub, and some other great handicappers get together and put on a course in March Madness in college basketball handicapping. We show you the same stuff that we use when we come up with our own lines for these games, check out Sports Wagering University to learn about sports betting. All right. Some quick NFL news just came across the Twitter line. Tom Brady is unretiring and decided to come back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Aren't quarterbacks just full of drama these days? I mean, it started with Brett Favre, kept retiring and coming back. 
Aaron Rodgers massively wishy-washy. Tom Brady leaves the Patriots, just wants to keep on going for the Bucks. I mean, <laughs> you got to wonder what what's going through his head. And uh, did his wife give him the pass? I have no idea, but this shirt changes things. And for all the people that bet that Tom Brady would retire, probably cash that bet because I believe it was paid off, but they should have put another bet out there asking if he would unretire from the league. So uh, really funny seeing Tom Brady come back, but at the same time, it gives the Bucks a massive boost already for the 2022 season. I, I wish Tom would have told me this. Uh, their future price probably completely changed based upon Tom. Probably like going from like 30 to 1 down to something like 20 to 1 or something. I didn't look personally, but that's what I would have uh, guessed it probably. But anyways, NFL's going nuts and they want to stay relevant during basketball season. I'm going to try to ignore it for the most part until March Madness is over, or at least until we get to that last week so I can start focusing on the NFL draft because that's the time I really start digging my heels into uh, football for the next year. Obviously, get get right started with baseball as well. Never rest for the wicked, my friends. That's how we do it here at the Odds Breakers. All right, let's talk about this NCAA tournament bracket with our guest, Mr. Sean Nachi. Now I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast the handicapper on our team here at the Odds Breakers, Mr. Sean Kanaki. You can follow him on Twitter at the Great Kanaki. Sean, how's it going, man? We got our brackets. What's up? It's going great, Katie. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, this is my first podcast with you here at the Odds Breakers. So I'm super excited to get on and, and talk about some college basketball brackets. Awesome, man. Well, sounds good. Uh, I was looking forward to get you on. Love your essays that you write for us, too. You have some funny stuff in there all the time, and that's what you got to do. You know, kind of keep it light and have a good time with that. And you're doing a great job. What a what a whirlwind of a basketball year, I tell you. I For me, I was better at total or sides, a lot better at sides than I was totals. It was kind of the opposite before. See, I was the other way. I, I had a better year on totals than I did on sides. So you never know in this industry how it's going to break out. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your love for sports betting and the industry as a whole? Yeah, so I uh, I really got kind of started, you know, when I was younger. I was, uh, my parents would go out and they'd do bowling and bar stuff and I'd end up playing arcade games. And all of a sudden when I was 12 or 13, started paying attention to sports. They started filling out parlay cards with my old man and I uh, started to get pretty good at it by the time I was 16, 17, really started to pay attention and um, been doing that for about 20 years now. And all of a sudden, about four or five years ago, we got the opportunity to to start doing some straight betting uh, around where I'm at and made the most of that. And a few years back, a uh, mutual friend of ours, Randy, the Lopes Ruth, um, kind of introduced me to what you had going on there and started uh, bringing in my parley cards and my straight picks on the backside when we were bartending. We bartended for 20 years together almost. Uh, at a bar on Saturday mornings for football games and um, start looking at your stuff and start looking at my stuff and going, I don't have the same thing KD does on that game. Or I, I completely agree with KD. And, you know, we kind of, kind of start putting some bets together that way. And about a, I don't know, a year and a half ago, started getting together with you guys and, and uh, putting it all together and been doing it ever since and doing, doing, uh, doing pretty well. So I'm fairly happy and, and I love doing stuff with you guys at the odds breakers is great stuff. Um, we got some great cappers, you know, you, uh, Kyle, Farley, Fordham, uh, Gates, all those guys are top-notch, and, and they all bring a lot of stuff to the table. So really, 
really uh, appreciative of you letting me be a part of it and, and having some great success going forward. Well, I appreciate all your hard work, Sean. It's fantastic. And yeah, I was probably your customer at that bar a few times, you know, a few, <laughs> few Badger Saturdays, you know, later on. It's a little hazy, but you know, you know how those days are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can't tell we're both Badger fans here, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't tell. Massive homers. Well, here's the problem, Sean. This might be the last time we can wear these clothes for about for the for the week. So you gotta use them up right now. Like wear them all week and then uh we'll cross our fingers for Friday because Colgate is not exactly a pushover as a lot of teams found out last year. Nope, they are not. Well, that's a good segue into I guess this general question, what are your early thoughts just kind of looking at the bracket in general? Anything just kind of pop in your mind? Yeah, you know, for, for me, looking at it right away and then just kind of looking at the college basketball season as a whole, Katie, um, I think this is one of the most wide open tournaments in years. You know, you look at you know, almost every year for the last 15 years, a number one seed has been the winner. There's only been three years where a number one seed has not been the winner of the tournament. Uh, that was back in 2016. Nova was a two seed, uh, the big number seven seed UConn back in 2014. And then UConn again was a three seed in 2011. And I started looking at that and started looking, okay, what are the dominant teams around college basketball in each of those years where there wasn't a one seed? Um, and what I found out as I started looking at some old Ken Pond numbers was if you took a look at adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency and combine those totals, almost every single winner of the tournament had under a 20 number. So, for instance, uh, in 2019, Virginia was the number two adjusted in offense, number five adjusted in defense for a total of seven. Last year was an outlier. Baylor was the 22nd defensive efficiency team, but they were number two on offense. So, for the most part, the last 15 years, it's been under that 20 number. That outlier year in 2014 when the number seven seed, UConn, was the one that came through and won it, uh, there was only one dominant team in college basketball that year that came under that 20 number, and that was Louisville. And if you remember back to that that grouping, it was Wisconsin came through as a two seed. Uh, you had uh, Florida as a one seed. And then you had UConn as seven and Kentucky as eight. We're kind of in that same boat this year. There's only one dominant team with the adjusted combined efficiency under 20, and that's Gonzaga. So I think as you look at all those teams, you know, that are, that are you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven seeds, there's going to be some opportunity for those teams because every team besides Gonzaga has a weakness, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side. And that's really true all the way from number two down to number 40 in the in the Ken Palm rankings that are in the tournament. So I think it's wide open. I think there's a chance that we could see some high seeds making some upsets and making some deep runs in the tournament. Wow, that's uh, that's some good analysis you got there. You know, it's funny, um, you always hear about the teams that are in ne neither the bottom 30 in offensive efficiency and defense, and those are massive fade teams. And guess what team uh, – Shows up in that in that uh, department. <laughs> Number three seed, Wisconsin. Yeah, over thirty in both, actually, in offense and defense. You know, you know what's <laughs> funny? According to Ken, and you can make this argument: should you seed the by strength, like Ken Palm, which is a much better power rating than the AP poll and the committee does, or do you seed it because they have a bunch of quadrant one wins? You know, any Badger fan knows that we play down to our competition. You know, <laughs> I mean, just against Nichols state, you know, uh, 71 to 68. What the hell happened? It, it, it's like when one player goes bad and that's giant, uh, Jonathan Davis, we could be just like a complete bottom 200 team. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. And 
Wisconsin, the reason we're so low on Ken Palm is because we play so bad when it comes to the other teams, but we get lucky a lot and just happen to beat a lot of good teams. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know, test fortitude. When we beat Iowa, I, I remember watching that game. I was like, man, we can't miss. We, can't, we just can't miss a shot. Now you look at what happened with Purdue playing them. Well, they missed. They missed a lot of shots. A lot know? of them, yep. <laughs> and, and same things with Virginia Tech. And, you know, it's funny. It's a lot of and, and this is kind of going to my general thoughts on this bracket, Sean. I don't think anything sticks out. There's no great team. I I don't I'm not believing in Gonzaga this year. No. I think I think Gonzaga was better last year by a decent amount. You know, I like Chet Holmgren in the new edition, but he's so skinny. And when they play against the bigger teams, they lost. They lost against Duke, right? Yeah. Uh, they lost against Alabama. You know, it's not like their non-conference was that long. They beat UCLA. UCLA UCLA little fraudulent. I'll give them some props, I guess. They, they took care of Texas and Texas Tech, but that was early in the season, and Texas Tech certainly got a lot better. So I am not buying any team, Sean. That was kind of my my initial thoughts. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement there. You know, you look at the second round, Boise State sneaks out and, and gets Gonzaga, and, and who they struggle with just recently, a team that slows it down a bunch. So, you know, with St. Mary's, Boise State's going to try and grind it away. Do they have the same talent? I don't think so, but you never know if they run into a team that can slow them down a little bit. Yeah, they do have a little talent down there. They had some pretty, a couple big guys that I like uh, on Boise. We were on Boise yesterday, so I was happy about that one. Um, so I, I like, I'll tell you this about the break. I like the potential rematch between Gonzaga and Duke in the Elite Eight. You know, I, I just like getting one of those teams out of the way, right? I don't want both in the Final Four. The hell with Duke. <laughs> Yeah, if, if I had to pick one, you know, the Zags haven't actually gotten to the mountain yet, right? And they've, they've been around doing this for 20 years, starting as that 10 seed way back, and I think it was 99 or 98. And, you know, they haven't gotten to the top of the mountain for as talented as they've been for the last 10 years. So if I had to pick one, I definitely want the Zags to beat Duke, just from a personal standpoint. From a personal standpoint, I do too. But from a sports betting standpoint, I was that guy on Gonzaga 10 years ago. <laughs> and now the whole freaking world is, so I can't, I don't like it. You know, so it's like I'm fighting that, those internal demons. But I think that his coach, Mark Few, if he was coaching like Duke or um, Kentucky, sorry, Coach Cal, sorry, Coach K. They just sit there and do isolation, dribble drive, pick and roll. I mean, that's it. You know, there's nothing, and they're, they're trying to get their stars, and they get double teamed, and then they try, then they have no idea what to do with the ball. I think the offenses of some of the other teams are run much better personally, and that's why I think Mark Few is probably the probably the best coach, in my opinion. I would agree with that statement. All right, so let's in, in real quick last thoughts dogs i i just thought dogs i think the parody between the the middle of the road teams not the shitty ones but the middle of the road teams that made it aren't as deep right i think they're better than they have been five years ago just because the transfer portal and all types of craziness with covid i i kind of think there's not a ton of separation between let's say an arkansas and a murray state you know yeah yeah Definitely. I mean, you look at the transfer portal, like you said, Chattanooga is a perfect example. You know, 10 years ago, they're walking against Illinois as a 13th seed, and they've got, they don't have the size to match up. You know, Kofi's going to dominate still, I think, but they've got a couple big guys on Chattanooga that can at least compete with them. 10 years yeah. ago, that wasn't the case. So, Yeah, that definitely wasn't the case 10 years ago. All right, let's move on to the next one. So now that we all uh, love our brackets, you know, we all know that we're going to be filling out brackets, and you're going to be filling out the Ozbreakers bracket, listeners, yep. I hope, please. Absolutely. <laughs> 
what other bracket games are out there or just typical March Madness games that you like to play and uh, maybe enlighten some of our listeners on some new stuff? Yeah, so there's two of them out there, and I've been doing uh, doing both of them for a few years now. The first one's a survivor bracket. You know, it's similar to, you know, your NFL 16-week survivor. Uh, you have to pick a winner every single day of the tournament, um, and you can't reuse the same team. So if you want to go out and take Gonzaga round one, probably not going to be beneficial for you later on, but um, it's a great way to try and balance who you think is going to win, you know, those early round games, and then balance who you think is going to be there later on. Uh, once you get to the Elite Eight, you have to pick two teams uh, in the Elite Eight. doesn't matter what day. And then you just have to pick one team a day once you get to the Final Four. Uh, and you can cap however many people you want in it. You want 100, you want 60, cap the dollar amount. And whoever's still alive at the end splits that final total. Uh, I've been doing it for three years now. I uh, got upset last year with Purdue in round one. So uh, it didn't go great last year, but I was able to make it to the final the year before that. Uh, but so the one it was, really it's a survivor, right? So basically, Survivor, yep. yep. Yeah, so... And it's just one one team even the first weekend? Yep. Uh, no, no, one team each day. So one team on Thursday, one team on Friday, oh. mm-hmm. one team on Saturday, one team on Sunday. Yeah, I love Survivors, man. That's fun. Uh, are you allowed, like, multiple entrants? <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, tough in the same pool, but, yeah, you, there's a few of them on, online you can get into or you can do multiple entrants in different different pools and different dollar amounts. So they're definitely out there. Awesome. No, it sounds great. Next. but. The, uh, the big one is the Calcutta, KD, and I don't know if you've ever done done one of these, but the NCAA Calcutta uh, is probably the most fun I do uh, for dollar amounts. And basically what you're doing is is you're getting together with a group of people or conglomerates, as we call them. We get a big group of guys. You know, some conglomerates have seven, eight guys. Some have two, and it really depends on how much money you want to spend. It's an auction. So really what you're trying to do is you're trying to maximize your value. Um, what will typically happen is you'll get 1% of the total pot for a win in the opening round. 2% in the next round, 4% in the next round, 7% in the next round, then 10 and then 12. So eventually, you know, as you get all the way down, you know, your final champion might be 26%. Those percentages can change depending on how you set up the Calcutta. Um, but what you're really trying to do is, is base, you know, what teams are going to win on the money line. It's just like gambling against the money line, uh, where you think that value is going to be. But the difficulty is you don't know what that total pot's going to be. That total pot could be $10,000. That total pot could go up to $12,000. So if you bid on a team early and you think you got a value, you might find out later that you spent a little bit too much money on that team uh, and you might not return the value. Uh, 2019, we had Virginia, which was great. We were able to cash out, win the whole thing. Um, But the year before that, we also had Virginia. And uh, that didn't work out so well against uh, (laughs) uh, UMBC there. So... um, you know, it's one of the most fun things you can do if you can get a group of guys. You know, you only need six, seven, eight guys, and it really depends on how much money you want to spend. We have a luxury tax if our conglomerate spends over two thousand dollars, where we pay twenty five percent on top of every dollar over two thousand, just like the MLB luxury tax. So it's a way to balance it, balance the teams out, and you have something to cheer for every single game. You might have seven teams in it, you might have four teams in it. Just depends how you want to put that money out there. How well? What's the average? What would you say the average person puts in? Uh, in the group that we do, we're about 400 bucks a guy. Um, so total pot ends up right around 10, 11 grand, somewhere in there. And we've been doing that for about three, four years. But you don't have to go that high. You can you can start a group with a bunch of guys and you can you can limit the luxury tax down to 200 or $300, whatever you don't want to spend over. And that's right. kind of your limit. But okay. the, the smaller seeds, you know, the 16, 15 seeds, they go for a couple bucks. The top seeds might go for seven, eight, nine hundred. So 
it's really a balancing act on where you think those wins are going to come from and, and taking your best angles, especially in the early round games. You know, if you can get some values on the, on the eight nines or on the seven, 10 matchups and get that first win in, you're probably making money on that team. And then if they get an upset in round two against one of the top seeds, now you're really cashing out. No, that that sounds fun, man. Uh, just kind of bidding on teams, put your money where your mouth is, right? Absolutely. The favorites are more expensive. The dogs are cheap. Kind of hope yeah. for that, the, you know, that type of year when UConn won and some of the other Wichita State, like what, 15 uh, years ago or something was a very low seed too. Uh, yeah, Syrac- when, they won, when they beat Kentucky, yep. Yeah, I think Syracuse might have been too. Yeah, there's there's certainly some out there, but most of the time it's been in the top. I just not so sure this year will be in the top. I wonder if the middle of the road for a Calcutta would go up in price just because of this year. Who knows, right? It, it, if they're smart betters, they will. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. What about uh, you? You have any anything you do on the side? Well, here, oh, I do. I I do mostly the tournament brackets, and I just do. I mean, so many people invite me. I almost like have to say no to a lot of them, but um, I like the one where you take your seeds and if you pick the dog, it's, it's a multiplier, right? So um, you're rewarded a lot more for a 12, five upset than you would be just for the, the bigger seed winning. Right. So, um, and I can't remember the multiplier. I don't figure it out. I just been in a couple of them. I think, I think you take the actual number seed and multiply it by the value of like two for the second round, one for the first round, two for the second round, three. So like if you have this 10 seed going to the final four, you don't even have to have the rest of the final four, right? You're probably going to win the dang thing, you know, because it's multiplied so much. So, uh, that's a, that's a cool thing to do because it makes you, take dogs a little bit more, right? It makes you yep. not take the one seeds. You know, I filled out brackets my years. Here's what happens. You get there, you get all cute. Then you bust the eraser out and you erase all the shit you did. Then you go back to it. And then eventually you're stuck with like three one seeds and a two seed. So if you want to be like that, that uh, that's what everybody else is doing. You got to be somewhat contrarian. I had Baylor last year, but um, I got a little over contrarian and I only took third. <laughs> so that's how it, that's how it goes. But hey, it's a lot of fun. And um, you know what's great is we're always in it. There, no no brackets busted when you're a sports better, Sean. We're we're betting every single week and every single game. So well not not every single game. We're looking at every single card. Yeah, absolutely. Uh we're doing our uh, Calcutta on Wednesday this week, KD. So if I get a chance this weekend, I'll uh, I'll post an article on it so people can see how that works. Might be something for people to do in the future. Yeah, awesome. Can't wait to uh, you know see more about that, and I'll let you know. And let me know if there's any opening spots. All right, next question. We got a bracket, and now we have to talk about some teams that you know got screwed. Now, when I say get screwed, I don't mean they really deserve to get in because you know when you get so down, it's like you should have did better, right? But let's just say there's these teams that could have been ahead of some other ones. Why don't you give me three, uh, two or three teams that you think uh, got screwed from the NCAA tournament? Yeah, the two, the two that I had marked down at the top of my list were Oklahoma and, and Texas A&M. Um, you know, I think they were at least deserving based on what they did in conference. Uh, you know, you look at A&M, um, they beat Arkansas twice. They beat Auburn. They beat Bama. They beat Mississippi State. Their best non-conference win was probably Notre Dame. Um, but they also had some bad losses, right? They lost to Mizzou. They lost to South Carolina. But the SEC, obviously, is a very strong conference. For them to come through with those key wins uh, and then do what they did in the tournament, um, making that nice run, getting to the final game against Tennessee, I, I think that should have got them in over some of the other teams that were there. 
Oklahoma, you know, you look at the record, um, not not the best, you know, win-loss, 18 and 15, I believe, was the final record. And then they had an up-and-down year in conference, and they were able to knock off a couple of teams. They beat Texas Tech. Uh, but that was really it in conference. I think that's what probably kept them out. But their non-conference schedule, they beat Arkansas. They beat Florida. Um, their losses were to Utah State, who obviously was a top 50 uh, Ken Palm team there. And, and, you know, on a neutral court, I could see that happening. But they definitely probably should have got in those two, I think, were the two that I had picked over some of the other teams. Yeah, I had those two. Um, I had, that's the two I had, and I have one more. But you're right. I mean, Oklahoma beating Baylor and damn near beating Texas Tech and Arkansas and Florida this year. It's like they handle a lot of those SEC teams. And you. And this is what happens. They're above 500. And Texas A&M, for sure, like they beat – Arkansas, Auburn, Notre Dame, Alabama, 23 and 12 they finished. Mm-hmm. What the heck, man? They got burned. You got to give some credit for going to the final game here over some of the other teams you put in. I think <laughs> I think Texas A&M is probably more deserving than some teams like Notre Dame. But um, the next one I want to say is Dayton, Okay. Dayton, Dayton, Dayton should have been the at-large team, and it shouldn't have been Wyoming. So we'll hint on, on, on the next one. Dayton beat teams like Belmont, Kansas, Miami, Virginia Tech. I mean, literally, did they have some bad losses? Yeah, in November, right? And then they kind of figured it out. Then they lost against SMU, beat Virginia Tech, lost against Mississippi, uh, you know, beat Southern, lost VCU, but they have plenty of great in-conference wins. And then there's some just really bad teams ahead of them. So I'm, I'm a little angered about that one. <laughs> yeah, I was on the other side of that. You know, I valued the Mountain West a little bit more than the A-10 this year. Um, and I think that's why I kept Wyoming in there. I actually thought they could have been a little bit higher than where they ended up at 12. There were some other teams I thought were less deserving for sure. But Well, yeah. we'll get into that. Well, that's good. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that then. And apparently we'll have a little disagreement. Wyoming, I, I don't know why Wyoming should get in because they don't have any big wins in the non-conference. Did you? Their non-conference schedule looked pretty easy. I mean, what, what's the argument for them? Well, I, I think just playing in the tougher conference there, you're right. They didn't have a, a tough non-conference. You know, there are two big games. Uh, Arizona, they got absolutely blasted by Arizona. And then they lost to uh, Stanford by, by a bucket or two. But they also held their own in the Mountain West, which was definitely a better better conference this year. Um, you know, they beat Boise. They beat Colorado State. Um, so I think that, that that went a little bit further for me than what Dayton did in conference. And I, I think that just that conference piece for me did a little did a little bit more. The Mountain West, I thought, was, was really solid for the top five, six teams in that conference. Well, they lost five of the last nine games, too. They, they did. Um, they struggled down the stretch. Yeah, I'm not even seeing a top – they 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 lost the Grand Canyon too. Yeah, I got a favorite date. It's the Lopes. That's <laughs> <laughs> the Lopes, baby. We love our Lopes. We love our Lopes at home. Forget them on the road. Forget those guys. <laughs> so, so I'll just throw the last one in for Dayton. They they finished well down the stretch, but they also lost to LaSalle too. So yeah, they have some stinky losses. That's for sure. <laughs> and you know, it, you know, the funny thing about the committee, I've I've seen them ignore losses and just as you had a couple good wins, they put some teams that were about five hundred in in the past. They just they, they kind of just change the rules to how they feel sometimes, but yeah, whatever. The, the truth of the matter is, there's 68 teams, and you should have did better, yep, right? You should have did better. Yeah, you know, I mean, football is a lot harder. Let's face it, <laughs> one loss, one loss, you can be out of the whole thing. 
Well, let's move on. Uh, piggyback a little bit. The other two teams I have that probably shouldn't have made it was Michigan. I mean, Michigan had a great schedule, but they lost to everybody on it, right? Yep. I mean, un- until they got in the conference, you know how the Big Ten is. You know, I mean, one thing happens, the Big Ten, they just beat each other up. It's been like that. It's been inconsistent for years. And so they do have two big wins like Purdue and somebody else in the Big Ten. But so what? I mean, Michigan getting in was a gift. And I didn't think they deserved it at all, especially after that first loss that they had in the tournament. I thought they had to win a game in the tournament, Sean. No, I I 100% agree. And and they were one of uh, one of the three that I had written down. The other one's another Big Ten team. Uh, was Rutgers, um, you know, twelve and eight in conference in the Big Ten is nothing to shake a stick at, but they they really struggled to get going early in the year, and then they had some bad losses on the resume, and I thought they were in the same boat. I thought they had to win a game in the tournament to get in. I thought both them and Michigan on that side of the bracket needed to do that, and the fact that they both lost and they both got in, you know, obviously that speaks to to how strong the Big Ten was in the committee's eyes. But I, I didn't think either one of those two teams deserved to get in at all. Um, and the last one for me was Creighton. Um, I I don't understand how they ended up with a nine seed, let alone barely, you know, squeaking squeaking by. Yeah, they had some good wins in the Big East, um, but they also lost to the top teams that they played, too. It got beat by Colorado State, Iowa State, Nova, Xavier twice. Um, and they're getting in ahead of Xavier, who I didn't have on my bubble as a team to go in. Um, but I don't think their resume was that great either. They won a couple games in the Big East tournament. Um, but I, I just thought that Creighton was a team that, that had opportunity throughout the year to, to, you know, beat more teams in conference and, and win a couple games in the non-conference and, and they didn't perform. So for them getting a nine, I thought was a little bit high, not only from a seeding aspect, but I thought they could have been a team that was out as well. I agree. And Creighton was my last one too. And now what I will say about Creighton is I love how they did play in the, in the tournament here. Um, they blew, took care of business against Marquette. They, they stuck it to Providence. You know, they were dogs in both these games, I believe. Um, and then Nova's Nova, and they only lost by six points. And it was just fantastic defense. I, I mean, this Greg McDermott, yeah, he's always gets this team up in the right time, it seems. It's just very interesting to me. But um, I, the, their non-conference was terrible. I mean, they lost to Colorado State, which was the only top 50 team. No, two top 50 teams, Iowa State and Colorado State. They both lost to them schools. And uh, – BYU that that wind didn't age well. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> They're not a good team at all. They lost to Arizona State by one. That's not good. And then here they are in the dance. <laughs> it's just absolutely shocking. But what I will say is, doesn't mean I'm going to fade them. Everything's all line dependent. So that's really important for people to know too. I'm not. I don't fade teams just because they don't belong. There's no. You'll you'll know. You'll not get anywhere looking at it from that philosophy. All right, let's move on. Which quadrant in the bracket is the hardest? And which one do you think is the easiest, Sean? Well, you know, it it, it was tough for me to finally come up with one on this one. And, and I landed on the bottom half of the East region. Um, I think that's probably the top number two team with Kentucky. Uh, St. Peter's actually was one of my uh, best plays down the stretch. I hammered them quite a bit over the last few weeks, and they, they turned some good cash for me. But I don't think they match up well with Kentucky. But everybody else is going to come out from there. You look at you look at their seven ten potential matchup with Murray State and San Francisco, and you got two teams. Obviously, Murray State with the best win loss record around. Ohio Valley is not that strong, but they've been hammering almost everybody in there. You look what they did to Belmont, the second best team in that conference, a few times. Um, 
that they were great against them. And the Dons, well, they didn't get over the hump against Gonzaga, has a great defense. And I've watched a ton of them this year and made some money on them, especially early in the season. And that team can compete with Kentucky. They're, they're big, they're fast, they're strong. Um, I can see them giving Kentucky a game if they get past Murray State. You look at the other two teams in that quadrant that can make some noise, obviously Purdue. Uh, they don't have it easy against Yale. They've struggled defensively. Yale does a lot of pick and roll at the top, and that's something Purdue obviously struggled with yesterday and a few games this year as well. But they're a solid team, especially on offense, and if they score, they're going to keep up with just about anybody. And then I think Texas, Virginia Tech. You know, Texas didn't get the W's when they needed to get the W's, right? Um, but they're a solid team with a lot of big-name players and a lot of top recruits, and if they put it together, they could be tough. And Virginia Tech just rolled through the ACC tournament. So you look at all those teams, you know, I could see any one of those those teams besides probably Yale uh, and St. Peter's coming out of that quadrant. So you think that's the, the, the East is the strongest? Yeah, yeah, the bottom half of that East especially, yep. Okay, cool. No, it's, it's, that's not terrible. I looked at that one. I think you could – there's a there's an argument about the top two seeds I'm going to make later, but Murray State is a dang good seven seed, and San Fran's a dang good ten seed. I, I was kind of bummed out that they were against each other, to be honest with you, Sean. Yeah, I, wanted, I, I was too. Two mid-majors, I, and they got to battle out right away. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see them get past a, a big school, but they didn't get rewarded with that. They got to play each other. So, unfortunately – that's the big uh, first game with them is against each other. And, uh, you know, before the bracket comes out, you have these these teams you think in your head that you might want to be on depending upon the line. And th- this situation was, was brutal. I do have a pick for this game, but we'll get into that another time. My hardest quadrant is for sure the south quadrant, okay? And not because of the, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. It's because of the top five, Sean. Arizona, number one, Villanova, number two, Tennessee, number three, Illinois, number four, and Houston, number five. All these teams could be a two seed or better, right? Illinois won the Big Ten. Houston is number four on Ken Palm. I mean, that says one seed, right, if you're going by that. And then Tennessee, look what they just did in their tournament. And then look at what Nova just did. Arizona, oh my God. This bracket is absolutely brutal. And and the bottom half is the one that's really, really bad. I mean, obviously Arizona's got to get to uh, the Sweet 16 to face Houston. But still, man, this is a a, – I think this sets up good, better for Arizona up top. But when you look at Nova and Tennessee right there, we also have a sneaky Colorado State team. I don't know if Ohio State can actually get up, but we'll see. Uh, this whole thing's pretty messy. No, I I agree. You know, one of my one of my picks a few weeks back, and I feel pretty good about it was was Tennessee. I put a put a small chunk on them to win the whole thing a few weeks back, and their odds have come down significantly since then. Obviously, and their uh, their defense is 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 solid. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I, I'll go with that with the hardest, the easiest. I'm going to go with the Midwest. Okay. And the reason that is, is because Kansas, I think, is a little bit fraudulent. I think Kansas is great that they won their tournament. But, hell, before they came into the tournament, that was the last team I wanted to bet on with their with their odds. And, yeah, Self did a great job. And, you know, I, I still keep remembering their stinky losses and the times they don't show up on the road. I think they're a little bit of a suspect number one seed based upon their defense. And number two, Auburn. God, I loved Auburn. 
back about mid-February. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since then, they've really crumbled, and I don't know what happened to this team. Maybe it's just they were so hot during the year they needed to cool off. But there, this could be a dark horse to go to the Final Four for sure. I wouldn't call it dark horse as number two seed, right? But, uh, you know, uh, one to break the Kansas. Um, and so th- the good news for Auburn is they get our Wisconsin Badgers as a three seed here. If, if they even make it, you know, they, uh, who knows? But, um, I mean, Wisconsin's got problems. And if Johnny Davis is, is cold, that team could lose to anybody. So Absolutely. It's uh, real beneficial for this bracket. Um, and what's great is Iowa's there for them up top. Now, it, Iowa's not – I think they're underseeded. They should have been a higher seed, uh, like a three or something, right? But at the same time, they have an easy path if Kansas is garbage uh, against them. So <laughs> I, I, not that Kansas is a garbage team, but – you know, look at what Iowa's been doing lately. Yeah, we're we're in agreement on, on the weakest quadrant here for sure. Um, you know, if, if you looked at this quadrant, like you said, mid-February, and you went, okay, Kansas, Wisconsin's on fire, dominating the Big Ten. Auburn hadn't had their big losing skid going. And then your number four seed's Providence. Um, and they've really fallen off lately. Uh, you know, they are currently, I believe, the luckiest team in uh, in the metrics and and deservedly so, even above Wisconsin. So you got two of the luckiest teams at the three and four. Auburn hasn't been playing great. They've struggled against good defenses. Um, I, I agree. I think Iowa could make some noise there. I think San Diego State could give Kansas a game, to be honest with you. They're big enough to play with them. They play a good enough defense. Um, but then they'd have to, you know, beat Creighton, who we just talked about, and you never know how that's going to turn out. But uh, I, I agree. I think that, that, that part of the bracket is wide open. Yeah, 100%. Sounds good. Glad, glad we're in agreement on that one. Um, so let's talk about just the seeds real quick. Do you have some teams that you thought were, have some bad seeds and maybe have deserved better? Yeah, I, I looked at a couple of them at the top or, or top teams, really. Uh, one of them you just mentioned was Iowa. Uh, you know, the team played good during the Big Ten. Uh, they, they had a couple of couple of stinkers along the way, but, um, you know, I think it was really Penn State was the only big one. Everybody else they lost to, you know, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Purdue, Michigan and that game, you know, by five, and then they turned around and walloped them the second time at, uh, at home, or excuse me, on the road, and uh, lost by two to Illinois before running the table in the Big Ten tournament. And they had to win four games in four days to do it. And for me, you look at that and you get a five seed, and I don't think that's really well-deserved. I think they could have been a three or a four for sure. The other one's Tennessee. Um, you know, you look at the guys who ended up on the two line uh, with Kentucky, with Duke, uh, Nova, and Auburn, and I think they definitely could have been ahead of both Auburn and Duke on that two line. Uh, to do what they did in the SSC, which is arguably the hardest conference in, in the country this year, and then to win that tournament, um, I think they definitely deserve to land on that two-line. And those were the two biggest snubs for me. Uh, number three was was Colorado State, and at 25-5, and five, obviously the record's there. But I think, you know, you look at, at how they played overall against the teams that they beat, and there weren't a lot of big wins in there. And the Mountain West, like I said, it's definitely deserving of having some higher spots in there. But I don't think that it deserved to be two lines above both Boise State and San Diego State. Uh, who they struggled against during the season. So I thought the six seed was a little bit high for them. I could have seen them coming in closer to that eight, eight, nine line. You know, San Diego State beat them twice. Oh, so they deserve worse. That yeah, kind of goes, goes into, that goes into my work. My the next question was which well, team deserves worse. Jumping no, ahead, sorry. Yeah, KD. no, 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 that's okay, buddy. And you call me KD. My real name's Derek. So just for all my listeners out there, <laughs> Ten- I, I agree. I agree. Tennessee is. Uh, 
a really bad seed in that hard, the hardest bracket, right? And the, why were they, why are they not the two seed? Why are they not where Auburn is? I don't know. Auburn had a bad finish. I, I'm I'm so conflicted between Kentucky, Auburn, and Tennessee because I can make arguments for all of them to be a one seed. Yet, how do you put them all up there? It's like um, I, I would have been fine if they flipped Baylor and Kentucky. Um, I th- I think that Baylor with the injuries because the committee factors in injuries, right? Uh, you know they should have looked at Chamu Chachua being out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think I think that's huge, and their depth as big as isn't as good as it was. And hell, remember Mitchell last year? He was great, and they lost those two guys, Butler and Mitchell, last year. I, I just I just think that they're not a one seed. I think that Kentucky or Auburn or Tennessee should have been a one seed. So that's just my opinion. Two SEC teams should have been a one seed. Um, I have Iowa, of course. Duke actually got a bad seed, in my opinion, because they were slated to be a one seed this whole year. And yes, the ACC sucked, but now they got Texas Tech in their way, mm-hmm. and I th- and I think Texas Tech might be the best three seed. So you know, Duke's got them, and then they got Gonzaga, the whole number one seed. I think they kind of got screwed. Hey. Yes and no, but who who do you replace on that line? You know, I can see Kentucky moving up. You know, Duke losing to North Carolina and then then getting beat by Virginia Tech in the final. There, I, I just couldn't put them on the one line. But you're absolutely right, having to play Texas Tech and and potentially a Sweet Sixteen matchup, uh, they they definitely didn't get rewarded for for their overall record and what they did. Yeah, for sure. And I actually thought Boise State got kind of screwed at the eight seed. Yeah, yep. I, um, because you know what the, look, look what they did this year. They won the regular season. They won their uh, conference tournament, and they have some decent wins in the uh, in the uh, non conference. They unfortunately some of the teams they play in the non conference were good before them, but not good now. So that didn't help them. But they scheduled for it previously. I just think that uh, Boise State should be a six seed in my opinion, six or seven for sure. And now they're playing a Memphis team that's healthy. That, that's that's not fun, and obviously Gonzaga next. So yeah, they had, yeah, yeah. I, I, I th- like I said, I think Colorado State and Boise or San Diego probably should have gotten swapped out there somehow. But I'm I'm gonna quick say that Virginia Tech is better than an 11 seed. I'm not saying they deserve to be higher, but they're also not as good as that they just showed. You know, North Carolina was three for 24 shooting the three against them, and Duke was four for 20 shooting the three. I mean, they're open threes; they just kept missing. Right. It, it's just like if they played a normal team, it would have been you know more compet like a team that's just having an average day. Those te- those two teams had bad days when they played uh, Virginia Tech, but I still give them props. I still think uh, Virginia Tech is probably a nine seed or an eight seed in my opinion. So, question so, for you: do, you: do you think they get in if they don't win the tournament based on their seeding? Think the committee no, had them in? No, no, I don't. I don't no, either. No, no, I think it would have been like AM or Oklahoma or something that mm-hmm. would have snuck in, right? It wouldn't have been them, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's a good thing that they did it. The committee was definitely against them. I was against them, too. It was wrong. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, which teams have – and so deserve worse, like you already gave us one. I think, like I said, Baylor flipped those two. They should be a two-seed, I think. Wisconsin deserved worse because – they're the three seed, and they're at home in Milwaukee. Yep. And I, yes, the quadrant one wins are great, but still, you got to go somewhat by the power ratings, by the Ken Palms and the Torvix and the 
Haslametrics is, in my opinion. I think that Wisconsin's fortunate because they're going to be in Milwaukee for the first. And if they get to the Sweet 16, they're in Chicago. You know, it's perfect for them. It sets up right in the Midwest. It's yeah, a blessing for them. But, you know, they could drop it to anybody. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, LSU is fortunate to play against Wisconsin. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I put them down. They're fortunate to get a bad Wisconsin team. Miami's a fortunate 10 seed, I think, against USC. Um, I mean, if you're a 10 seed, you know, USC has just been looking pretty bad lately. Um, and I think Miami might have an outside shot versus an Auburn, right? If Auburn keeps playing the way they've been playing. So I think uh, Miami's got a fortunate t- for a 10 seed. It's fortunate and North Carolina and Marquette at the eight and nine is pretty fortunate too. Uh, North Carolina was out of the tournament a couple weeks, like two weeks ago, I think. Um, yep, I agree. And uh, you know, now they get the weakest number one seed in Baylor. So Marquette and North Carolina fortunate there. Mar- Marquette got in based upon their non-conference too. So let's move on to the next question then. Have you looked at any home court advantages yet? And I know the it just came out, so you know, if, no, no big deal if you don't have any. Yeah, the, the, there's a few out there. You mentioned one just now, and and like you said, Wisconsin could show up Jekyll and Hyde any day of the week, but they don't have to get on a plane and, until the final four if they manage to keep rolling. And and Badger fans do travel well. Milwaukee will be loaded, and if they make it to Chicago, uh, they're definitely gonna have a home court advantage in both of those spots. And you know, I think being being in state and only in Chicago, I think I think the books will build that into the line for Wisconsin. But there's some other sneaky ones out there too. Uh, one I marked down was Buffalo, and Arkansas really got kind of screwed going into Buffalo here. Um, you're six hours away from both Burlington, Vermont, and, and from Yukon on stores, but they're gonna have to be the uh, be the road team against both Vermont, and then if they get by them, probably against Yukon. Um, and I think you know Arkansas has played very well; they're a good defensive team. Uh, but matching up against Vermont isn't going to be an easy task for them, especially with, with the crowd against them. And like I said, if they get by that, they're rolling into UConn. So who knows there? The other one that uh, kind of got got a little sneaky uh, is Davidson uh, going down to Greenville. Uh, Michigan State's going to have to play them in round one. Michigan State's looked, you know, just like Wisconsin, Jekyll and Hyde. Who knows which team you're going to get at any day? Uh, and Davidson's a few hours away from home there. So I think, you know, having that Greenville, Greenville South Carolina could be an advantage for Davidson there. Good call. Yeah, Davidson, very close there. I like it. Um, you just, that Davidson one I didn't have written, so thank you for that. Uh, Vermont, I didn't think of either, so great one on that. I have Duke because they're going to be playing in South Carolina. Now, first, I'm not going to mention the one seeds because they're already placed pretty much, you know, obviously, duh, you know, they're Gonzaga's playing in Oregon, right? But um, Ohio State and Pittsburgh. Is definitely yeah. one. Um, uh, Pittsburgh, not far from Ohio. This uh, Cleveland, you know, not, what two hour drive or something? Two, three, maybe. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's very close. So I mean, there's going to be a ton of Ohio State fans there. So think about that. And if other people start thinking about that, that line might move too. Even though it's, Ohio State's a very tough team to bet on right now. Uh, who are they playing right now? I had them. Uh, Loyola. Loyola, yes, yes, yes. Loyola and Loyola is a, a good team. A lot of, but maybe, maybe a lot of people are going to be thinking about the Loyola from last year, which I believe is not existing. So I agree. So Ohio State is one to circle. Murray State in Indianapolis. Now, it's only a five-hour drive from there. It's uh, actually says four hours and 45 minutes. I put in a piss stop for us, Sean. But uh, 300 <laughs> we kids, miles. We got kids you might want to put in, too. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe a maybe a quick quick uh, pit stop and get a beer or something too. That maybe we'll, we'll make it five and a half hours. But uh, San Francisco, a lot farther away. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, Murray State. I can see their fans showing up in droves because they've been kind of building up their program over the past five six years. Isn't it John Morant that went there? I think. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, some big names and uh, Murray State's become become a really good mid major basketball team and. San Fran might not have any fans there. Not sure. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Uh, definitely mentioned UConn and Buffalo versus New Mexico State. So you good call with UConn earlier. Um, and just real quick, Indiana's playing game in Dayton and Notre Dame's playing in game in Dayton is an advantage because I, I, mean, I don't. I can't see a lot of Rutgers fans being there over Notre Dame fans. There's just so many Notre Dame fans out there. So I, I'm concerned for Rutgers a little bit from that standpoint. And um and Indiana's got a nice little matchup here and uh their their spread went up, I think, because of it already. Yeah, Sean. It, yeah, it did. Uh just just looking a couple rounds past that, one of the other notes I had, and I, I kind of felt bad for him. Villanova not getting to go in the east, uh missing out on Philly there is uh is a little bit of a travesty, I think, for what they had, you know, and I understand that the committee's trying to pair up the the one eight two seven, all the stuff they're trying to do there, and I, I thought they got a little bit hosed on the potential home home court there when Wisconsin is a three seed gets to go in the Midwest. So, you know, they, 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 attendance is still a piece of it, right? At least the last I heard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, they should have been gifted the East because they won it. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe they didn't want to screw Kentucky over because for some reason they put Kentucky in that really tough bracket. Maybe it's because Tennessee was a three seed there. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to see that rematch again. Could have been. Could have flopped both Purdue and Kentucky over, though. You never know. Yeah, I would have rather take the three seed in the east than the two seed in the south. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Great points. <laughs> Man, all right, man. Well, let's let's give a let's give a get a final four pick from you now. No number one seeds. Give me give me something. Maybe not a number two seed if you have to. It's okay. <laughs> no, no. I've, I I've already touched on it a couple of times. I think Tennessee's rolling right now. I think their defense is is playing the best in the country. You know, they got blown up at Kentucky mid January. They gave up 107 points, and, and since then they've lost two games. They lost to Arkansas by 10 when their offense didn't show up. They only scored 48, and they lost to Texas by one in a non-conference, uh, 52 to 51. So when their offense shows up, you know, this team's given up, you know, 60, 61 points a game in the last last 15. Um, I think they can beat anybody, even in that tough south like you laid out. Villanova is going to be a slow-down, drag-it-out game, right? Uh, but I can see Tennessee shutting them down and keeping them under 60 points, and then they only got to get to, you know, 62, 63 to win it. Um, they're the team that, like you said, it's, it's probably that hardest bracket. But I don't hold a lot of weight for the Pac-12. I think Arizona is, is fraudulent a little bit. You know, they haven't had a lot of big wins, and they have rolled through the Pac-12 with with one other good team. UCLA is the only other team in the Pac-12 that could make any other noise in the tournament. Um, I don't see USC doing anything here. So I think Tennessee is going to be my long shot pick. It is the toughest region for you. It's not for me. Um, but I just like the way they're playing, and I, th- I think their defense can carry them all the way to the Final Four. Oh, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go, well, here's the thing, Tennessee, they already burned a bunch of tickets because there's people fading Rick Barnes, right? Well, that didn't work out well, right? Uh, apparently Rick Barnes is, uh, maybe got this team together. So that narrative, of course, if they lose their first game or two, people are going to be like, there you go, Rick Barnes. But who knows, man? I like Texas Tech. 
um, as a three seed go, getting in. And uh, the reason that is is because when you see Duke get deed up like they did against Virginia Tech and a couple other times this year, uh, they can they can have a stinker, and you know they're going to have a tough game against probably Michigan State, most likely maybe Davidson, right? And then um, they get to the Sweet Sixteen, they get their break, you know, a few days off, three four days off, whatever it is, and then Texas Tech coming on in. I like Texas Tech, and I I saw the way they beat Iowa State, and they destroyed Iowa State, and they're just a, a well-rounded team, and I feel like they're kind of on a pissed-off revenge tour. Sean, I feel like they're like, um, are I feel like they're angry because their coach left them last year and went to Texas, right? Even though yeah. their coach, I think, went to Texas, you know, it's kind of like he went there. But still, it's like as a senior there, you're like, man, the dude's been with us. Let's go win it all. You know, so that's kind of the way I, I I think they play that card. And like I said, with Gonzaga, I think they're possibly uh, a little bit fraudulent. Did, did Gonzaga play Texas? Oh, Gonzaga played Texas, not Texas Tech. That's Texas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. And um, I almost went with Purdue, but – um. Man, they just don't play no defense. There could be there. I do fill out a lot of brackets. There could be a a sleeper bracket with Purdue sitting in there at, at some point. But then I would definitely have a messy bracket because I don't see a lot of people uh, picking Purdue to go that far. And uh, I think, yeah, yeah I, I just don't see their defense holding up against that, against that quadrant that they're in the bottom half of that thing. They're gonna they're gonna get rolled by somebody. who's gonna put up ninety. They're gonna be done. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. And when they get cold, they get cold, man. And that's what they've been doing. They've been going on cold streaks for a while, and uh, th- that can't happen when you're in the tournament. If you have a long, if you have a three minute cold streak, you're probably out of the tournament. That's just the way it is. Um, so great stuff, man. Um, that's <laughs> that's a lot of information for this uh, tournament. I'm really happy that you uh, talk, talk to us all about it. Where could our listeners get your great information in place? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm available at theoddsbreakers.com. You can find all my plays there. Uh, log in, become a member, get the free email, and then uh, there's premium plays available for myself and a bunch of other great cappers. You can find me there on Twitter at the Great Kanaki. I'm available there, and uh, my best season's coming up. KD baseball is my uh, bread and butter. I I, uh, I really do well in baseball. I'm up over seven and a half percent return on investment the last two years, and plan to keep that rolling. My background's in baseball, and that's where I make the cash. So. Now it's a good time to get on board as we go into the tournament and lead right into baseball season. All right. Make sure you guys check out Sean over at the Odds Breakers. Sean, thanks so much for coming on and talking some March Madness. Cheers, Katie. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. There will be a show airing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week from myself. Also, check us out on TikTok. I'm giving out some plays and some leans as well and more information as we move along have a great rest of your week and go get some winners